0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Linux guest I'm your host Matt. I'm joined by Tyler. I didn't do the last names, but I don't care it's because I can't say my own last name, and it's okay. I can't say my last name. You can't count together. <laughs> we're very good at this.
1: We're having we're, a day.
0: Yes, it's this has not been 20 minutes of fucking around with xmonad to try to get to work with OBS. It just it was a complete failure, and I had to install DWM, so I'm back on dwm so whatever um yeah this is whatever it's just not a good day this is gonna be a horrendous podcast i'm just gonna tell you this right now uh we're we're gonna there's gonna i'm just to warn you there's gonna be so many rabbit holes and uh you know just we're we're gonna be going off on tangents for the like the next hour it's gonna be great anyways or not great whatever um Tyler, what have you been doing in Linux this week?
1: Well, um, I've actually, um, well, for one, in inside of Linux, I have been using um, IRC, um, uh, like just in general now. Before, I'd never used it, Um, so that's interesting. But um, how I got into using IRC is um, live streaming on Odyssey. Um, I've been doing quite a bit of it. I don't, I don't know if like how long it was it actually took since live streaming was like announced and in beta but it's now available for me and so i've had a couple of live streams and i just did my uh, second one yesterday and that went on for eight hours it was a lot of fun um yeah an eight hour stream that was fun
0: (laughs) wow okay yeah Uh I did – my last live stream on YouTube was two hours and, like, a few minutes, and that was entirely too long for me. I could never do eight hours' worth of live streaming.
1: I've done – I here, here's how crazy I am. About a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, I did a full 24-hour stream. That hurt. Like, that was
0: – Like, I like – I, I, the logistics confused me. Like – do you get up like halfway through to go like, get lunch or something or do you have somebody bring you food or you go to the I mean you go to the bathroom obviously eventually right
1: yeah like throw up like a be right back screen and like play some music and then go to the bathroom or like I'll, I'll I for that I threw up like an intermission screen and at, like ate for a little bit and talked and then went I back would on have, to
0: have an, an absurd amount of money paid to me to do that
1: <laughs> after like, doing it I would too.
0: Oh no no no! I'm getting paid up front, man. <laughs> I want my money up front. There's gonna be no donations afterwards. There can be donations during, but I want the the main part of the cash up front because I otherwise no, I'm I, no. <laughs> uh, I, I don't. Uh, maybe someday I'll eventually I'll take a look at. Uh, I'm just not that into Odyssey. I mean, we talked about this last week. i just not. Like I put all my videos up there, but. I don't know. Like I haven't got the audience to interest me or something. I don't know.
1: Um, Maybe you just haven't been discovered yet. And so uh, he, here's one thing while we're talking about Odyssey and I'm thinking about it. the pod, So these podcasts are not getting transferred over to Odyssey. I, I don't know, know if I you're saw aware that. of that. I don't
0: know why. Uh, I think it's because they're too long.
1: That might be it. Um,
0: uh, yeah, I, I know did, Odyssey is fussy. <laughs> I'd have to go through and you know upload them manually and then you don't get any transcoding like at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Maybe you have to have a certain amount of, like, it doesn't make sense because it, it seems like if you have a, the way they do the whole automatic transfer thing is they do it based on like there's like, levels based on how many followers you have on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, I just went over 2,500 followers. So I assume that I'm at the point where they'd actually transfer over something that's an hour long, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, yeah, I noticed that they weren't getting transferred over. I, look into that and see why that's not happening because um, to be honest i'm pretty sure i'm too lazy to do it manually so I'm just just be honest about it
1: yeah Well, um, what have you been up to man
0: um just shoot me now <laughs> <laughs> that, that's been my leak in linux because all right so I'm big on trying out new window managers and I've been trying to use Xmonad for probably 6 months. I've tried it off and on over the course of the 6 months and it's been not a great journey. Um, <laughs> most of the time the reason why I've always switched away from it is because the bar, I have bar problems, right? So Xmonad has a bar that they prefer you to use with it, it's called Xmobar the first time i tried to use it i did actually get to show up like that was like months ago uh but i couldn't get my head around haskell at the time so i switched back to dwm or whatever it was on the time and and just recently i decided you know what? i'm gonna switch to xmonad again and i'm gonna give it a real go like i'm gonna switch to it that's all i'm gonna use for a whole month well first of all that was a lie uh, <laughs> um Soon after doing that video, I switched back to DWM. So, I actually did my video the other day on Shotcut in DWM, but that's just because I couldn't get the bar to work. So, I, could, I can't get Xmobar to show up at all. Like, not even a little bit. And I don't know why. Like, it, like it has no clue. I, I even went through and took my custom config that I've been trying to just build myself and downloaded DT's config and tried to use his. That didn't work, so I was like, well, you know, obviously something else is wrong. So I went on Unix Porn, found someone else who's been doing Xmonad, downloaded their .files and used theirs, and their Xmore, Xmobar still wouldn't work. Oh. So I don't have any clue what's going on with Xmobar. So then yesterday, I said, you want to fuck it? I'm just going to use Polybar. So And I had Polybar working before, and, you know, it was fine. But I couldn't edit it. Like I made changes to the config file, and it wouldn't make any changes, like at all. So I could like, make changes size. I could not add modules. Nothing.
1: Even like restarting um, Xmonad.
0: Even restarting Xmonad. Logging out. Logging back in. Shutting the computer down. Shutting it back on. Nothing. It wouldn't. Cha- it wouldn't make any changes to the configuration file at all. It also wasn't reading from the auto start file that I was using. So I don't know what the hell is going on there. It's very weird. Um. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? Screw this! I'm gonna distro hop. So I downloaded the latest Arch, Arch installer or Arch ISO, and I was like, you know, I'm gonna try the new Arch installer that come comes on the the ISO. Yeah. And it, it worked fine. You know, I got mm-hmm. into I got into Arch, and you know, managed to install Gnome, which I, I decided on Gnome because uh it uses GDM by default instead of LightDM, and LightDM does not work with Arch anymore, so. I used it for about an hour and it was buggier and shit. <laughs> it was just so buggy. Uh, like I don't know what was going on. I'm assuming I missed some dependencies somewhere along the line, and some things were just not, you know, working out well. So I was like, you know, screw this. I'm going back to Arco, just like I knew I probably would. Mm-hmm. And so I had the Arco. Installer with Xmonad on it, so it was the the (laughs) Arch Linux Xmonad thing, and got that in there, and it's working fine. It's I I I gave up on Xmobar, and the polybar in the Arco Linux one works fine. It will it let me edit it and everything, and I've been using it since last night. It was working fine until obviously we decided to do the podcast (laughs) and find out that for whatever reason. The way that OBS goes through and captures the video, you have to have the video on screen all time for OBS to capture it. And that would mean not being able to look at links or anything, you know, while we're doing the podcast. So, uh, long story short, I'm on DWM right now and pretty happy about it. Um, (laughs) So, so I'll eventually make a video on X-Menit again. I'm going to go back to it after we're done here and, you know... I'm gonna keep trying because, you know, people say, like, "Oh, if you use DWM, you'll love Xmonad." So far, I haven't been lo- loving Xmonad, but.
1: Well, see, it's great to hear you talk about it because there are like no, there's really no one out there like voicing like, "Uh, hey, I'm having like some real issues setting up and using Xmonad." Everyone's just like, "It's great." No one oh, talks yeah. about it's. Yeah, like, uh, oh, it was great. I just issues. downloaded
0: DT's configs and popped them in my config folder and it's perfectly fine no that's not the way it works i'm sorry it doesn't <laughs> um or at least that's not the way it worked for me i mean <laughs> i i'm sure i'm 100 percent I'm positive that whatever i'm doing wrong is my problem like this isn't a problem with xmonad it's not a problem with haskell it's not a problem with dt's configs it's not a problem with my configs or arco's configs it's 100 percent a me problem right like me being stupid or a noob or somewhere along the line,
1: or just missing something. Yeah, yeah I mean,
0: I mean. there's a dependency or something that I'm just missing. I'm like, I'm 100% sure that that's the case. But that being said, x is stupid.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> it, like I can't, I just, I, I don't, I don't know. It has it's, been. F-
1: what? No, go ahead.
0: Like it has been fun, messing around with it, like and troubleshooting it and trying to get it done. But it's also been incredibly frustrating. So. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it, it's gonna get another week for me, and if I don't see a benefit to using it another week, I don't know. Cause, yeah. Because I guess it, I I love DWM so much. It's gonna have to Xmonad's gonna have to be really super great uh, mm. to get me to switch away. And so far, the problems have definitely not made it seem you know super great.
1: Yeah, and it it's it's fair to talk about it like that. Like I mean it. There's just I don't know to, to me it's nice to hear someone talking about XMonad and voicing the same like for me I never even I never even got into it because I I mean like you said you run into problems with XMonad not only is Haskell a thing like it's just not not I mean it's it's Haskell is honestly just as complicated to get into as getting into DWM is. Like, you know, like when you don't know anything about source code or C or anything or like Mm -hmm. make file or like how to make programs, stuff like that. Like, it's just as complicated. Like, so I don't, I I don't know. Like, no one's out there talking about, yeah, I had problems with Xmonad. You only hear the people who are like, it's fantastic.
0: Yeah. This time around, I've had better luck with Haskell because I've. I think because when I first tried it, I just started using DWM, so I hadn't learned very much about DWM, and I hadn't had months of experience going through and trying to figure out how to patch things and you know learning a little bit of C and tinkering and stuff like that. So I have more experience with the learning languages now, so I I had a much easier time with Haskell. I will say this: Haskell is way better than Lua. So (laughs) I had had a hell of a time. Now you got to remember, I only spent like two hours or something like that with it, but when I installed awesome there on this stream, uh, Lua is just, <laughs> I mean, I it, i can't, <laughs> I can't get my head around Lua. And like everybody says, like Lua is better, easier than uh, Haskell, but I don't think that's true. Um, now I, I would take C over Haskell or Lua any day. Um, yeah. And, and C is a weird program language too. So um, honestly, the 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 language that I prefer out of all of them is Qtile. Uh, with that, mm-hmm. uh, you just p uses python
1: yeah and i agree
0: though my problem with qtile is that you can only have nine window man, window workspaces now there's somebody in the comments that's gonna say well matt i've told you four times now you can do more than nine workspaces <laughs> i can't figure it out okay i've googled it okay google ha- says <laughs> there's not so and also fuck you phone google <laughs> <laughs> <Google's> listening.
1: <laughs> well um it, it's it it's funny because like as vocal as I am about loving Qtile, I mean I'm on DWM right now. I I do I since I've started using DWM, I really have just fallen in love because as long as you don't over patch it, as long as you're as you like as long as you like DWM with just maybe one or two patches in there, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. Yeah, you I Patch have, it twice and done.
0: Yeah, I think I have five patches and that's really as many as you want to patch it. Like mm-hmm. 5 is really kind of pushing it. Like there are two more patches that I really really want. I want to be able to go through and have key bindings for every single workspace that I have, all 18 of them. Uh and there's there's a there's a patch for that. And I also would like to go through and have it so that each workspace has like its own icon or own name or whatever. Uh-huh. And um I can't get them to patch. I they just Even going through and manually adding the code in, like manually patching them, I can't get it done. Um, Now I'm assuming if I went through and like did those patches first, Mm -hmm. you know, like with a fresh install, I could probably get it done. But then I'd have to leave out some of the other patches that I like, you know, always center or attach to bottom or whatever. And you know, and those things are more important to me than you know, just adding an extra key binding to switch monitors.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So you want, you want. Like, 18 dedicated shortcuts for, for switching through your workspaces?
0: Okay, so one of the best parts about i3, I like, I love i3. It was my first window manager. And mm. on in i3, I have Super 1 through, through 0 attached to all the workspaces on the first monitor. And then I have Control 1 through 0. To have for all of the workspaces on the second monitor. So I okay, have, that's pretty smart. I have 20 workspaces in i3, and it's so easy to add them in i3. Like I, I wish it was that way in every single work you know window manager. But mm-hmm. it's just you know super one through zero changes it on nine, and and super, and just adding the shift key will move the windows around. Yeah. Same same uh key combinations. It's just it, it's easily the one thing I miss most about i3. Um so. There's a good chance eventually I'll be switching back to i3, but I still do like DWM.
1: That is actually like at first I was very much like, really you want that many key bindings for all your works like for all the workspaces on all the monitors? But then after you explained it, I'm like, wait, that makes a ton of sense. Like, yeah.
0: The thing I I know that's going to keep me from using Xmonad. So let's just say I go through and really like xmonad you know i learned the haskell enough to actually get by i figure out my bar problems and i go through and rice it the thing that's going to keep me from using xmonad is the fact that there's only nine workspaces um that's the thing that drives me away from qtile it's the thing that's driven me away from uh, probably xmonad i i i did that poll on on the channel not too long ago like everybody's like oh i only use one workspace i'm like how do you only use one workspace it doesn't make any sense to me what is wrong with you are you are you insane I, like right now i, I just start, restarted i just logged out logged back in I and mean, you you basically were here with me through that i'm using one and six on the first monitor. i'm using one three six and nine and i don't have most of the stuff i have usually open so like usually i have libreoffice open on on two on this monitor and I have, you know, Nemo open up on eight, and neil or Mutt on one, and you. Uh, I just have all. I have like 19 workspaces, and like half of them are full. Yeah,
1: all, all times. I mean, my my workspace, like I, I'm not gonna go through it, but I got plenty filled. I've got essentially five workspaces on each monitor like with stuff going on i don't understand how someone's like how do you use a tiling window manager like i could understand a floating where you just got them all stacked over each other and that's just mm-hmm. how you use your computer but like in a tiling window manager if you're using just one workspace how
0: oh yeah like when when i was a kde user i never used workspaces at all like we just mm-hmm. stack windows on top of each other and that's just the way you do it but once you go tiling you almost have to use workspaces because you you can only split the screen up so many times before you have to use the different workspace like yeah like i will only put two two programs or two apps on the same workspace like i, I don't really want anything more than that every once in a while i'll do three but three is the i mean some people you see like have like nine or ten terminals on their one your workspace like what are yeah. you doing you can't read anything there you're not
1: exactly like i mean we are going to get that comment from that one like weirdo out there who's got like some like 38 inch or like for practically like tv sized 8k mm-hmm. monitor who's like yeah i've got so much screen real estate of course i use just one workspace
0: yeah like, i mean i ha- i have big monitors i have like 227 inch monitors and these are perfectly fine i desperately want a third monitor because that'd give me even more workspaces <laughs> uh, well i mean it'd be great to be able to have you know firefox on one and then obs over here and uh audacity on the one that'd be so good uh, but i just don't have room for it um but yeah yeah i i don't want anything bigger i mean it's i've seen i've seen like if i had like 148 inch i guess because it'd, it'd be the same size as these but I
1: don't know. yeah yeah
0: Man, we just spent 20 minutes on the intro of the show. That's <laughs> I, how it's I warned I warned you at the beginning <laughs> that this was going to be the most disorganized thing. Rabbit holes thing ever. galore. Uh, like I, I, had, I, I kept my word. All right, so let's jump into the contact information. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at the LinuxCache. You can follow me at, on Twitter at the MTWB. Uh, Tyler is one of those. He that's not on Twitter, but you can follow him on uh, YouTube at the official – You know, he's on uh, – odyssey at the official zany you can also follow us on, follow him on youtube in the link below um make sure you give him a follow because he has a ton of awesome videos you can subscribe to us and all of our audio feeds and stuff at the linuxcast.org you can contact us via email at the linuxcast at gmail.com and support us on patreon at patreon.com slash linuxcast i should take a moment to thank our current patrons sven donnie mitchell maglin camp merrick marcus and devon not in order just i thank everybody um because for whatever reason, Patreon doesn't sort these in order. Weird. Hmm. Okay. Anyways, and also support us – or so, uh, ultra – I can't talk. we um, <laughs> you can also follow us on YouTube at youtube.com slash LinuxCast. I, I say it every single week. That section needs to get shorter. Mm-hmm. All right. Take the breath out of you. <laughs> just, I just – I try to get through it as fast as possible. Like, we could do it at the end, but then just people would stop listening. So that's, mm-hmm. that's the reason why I would do it in the middle. Um, anyways, so let's move on to the news links of the week, the, the news links of the week. So every week we each choose a link that is news and we share it with each other. So Tyler, what was your news link this week?
1: So mine was on, um, the new like plasma, um, mobile update. And I found it to be really interesting. Um, just because they, they had some cool snapshots in here just of it. And I thought the, um, especially the, the music app in it looks really good, like really good. And apparently this update does come with, um, some, uh, performance improvements, which as far as I know, um, stuff like the pine phone desperately needs distros, uh, come out with some more performance improvements. Mm. Yeah. Um,
0: I saw a YouTube video of somebody using this on their pine phone. It was slow.
1: Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that, that that's what kills me. Like I'd love I'd love to get something like the PinePhone, um, because I mean the PinePhone like that, that at that perfect price point, like two to three hundred dollars, but um, the Librem Five, I mean it's just it's like five hundred bucks and it, I yeah, think it's just I, yeah, it's, like it's I,
0: like the size of a brick too, right? The, yeah,
1: that's the one that's
0: like even I mean the Pine Phone's not a thin phone, but the the Librem Five maybe I'm thinking about like a couple of years ago, but it was like,
1: no, no it's Libra bad. Thick. The leave room five is a fatty boy. It, it's thick. Um, but yeah, I, I just wish they would, um, keep doing what they're doing. Come, come out with more performance improvements. Uh, and I don't want to say that we need better hardware for, for these types of distros to be like, um, not just, not just really cool, but like be extremely usable. Um, but maybe we do, because I, I really don't see how um, they can't get performance to be as good as they can on those devices with as long as they've been out. Like the PinePhone's not new, so they've had plenty of time for performance improvements. I mean, I know con- they're going to be constantly coming, but um, the, this article here, I just it, it got me thinking more about the um, the Linux phone like market in general um, and how it's getting better, but I, I I, wish it was getting better faster. I want a Linux phone desperately.
0: Yeah. I don't know if I want a Linux phone or not. <laughs> like, I, really? like, I'm big, like I'm the biggest Linux fanboy you're ever going to meet. And my biggest problem with the Linux stuff is that it's going to, even if they get the performance stuff figured out and I, they will, right. I mean, it's definitely, mm-hmm. they will, they'll keep working on it. Uh, the biggest problem is going to be apps for me, right? Because I use a ton of proprietary stuff, you know, mm-hmm. on my phone. You know, you know, Gmail and you know, there's just, I mean, there's just a ton of stuff. I mean, that in games, right? I mean, the phone's the biggest thing where I do any, any gaming. So.
1: Oh uh, really? Oh, okay, so you play uh quite a bit of games on your phone?
0: Yeah, mobile games like uh, Clash of Clans and you know a ton of stupid time wasting oh. games that are just dumb. Yeah, and that stuff, that's never going to come to.
1: No, like yeah. Global.
0: Now, the, the ones that are more interesting are the ones where, like, um, the ones that, like, that East, that slash E thing that is basically Android, mm-hmm. but just, they've taken all the Google stuff out of that, because that can run APKs from the Play Store. Yeah. Um, Now, it won't work very well, because a lot of the stuff that, you know, has, like, pay walls or like they're paid apps so you can't get those apps but um at least that has some potential like um lineage also has like can use the play store so
1: but i will i will go ahead and say the problem with those types of android device like os's is removing the google play services will brick a lot of those like i mean you're talking about I clash of clans yeah. like i'm 99 percent sure that uses google play services oh, so I sh-
0: i'm sure like on the slash e stuff that a lot of that stuff's not going to work with but at least at least there you have some access to some of the android stuff yeah. um now there are there are like uh uh there are um I lost the word uh, pro the pro, pro, fuck's sake projects <laughs> projects is the fucking word there are projects out there that allow you to run android apps on linux mm-hmm.
1: um
0: so if they can get those to work so that you can also use them on something like plasma mobile that'd be really cool um
1: well but just to shoot down like so you you said google email couldn't you use thunderbird on like a linux well, um,
0: that was just one that i one that i mentioned i mean they're just yeah. There's tons of. I, could, I yeah. really want
1: to. See, like, because like, w- w- when I've thought about it when it comes to my Linux phone, now, the gaming point is uh, th- that's a big one. Like, I agree with you there. That's not I mean, that's things a big like one.
0: Spotify is probably not going to be on there right away.
1: Okay, um,
0: yeah, true, true. Uh, there's tons of like, shopping and food apps on there that I have on there, uh, tons of social, like Instagram, and, you know, you know, like Facebook, you could probably go and just use the web version. But yeah. like Instagram, they have a web version, but you can't post to it. Um, true. S- same thing thing with like um i don't know
1: dang uh, it man you're sh- you're shooting down my arguments
0: right, right. <laughs> like i mean we're gonna have podcast apps and stuff on there which ev- eventually show up but there are just these other little little apps that you just use all the time they're just never ever going to come there right and no. i mean it, it's taken 35 40 years now for linux to get to the point where we have apps on linux like the desktop linux they can actually go say you want to i can switch away from windows and use linux full-time and not have any problems with anything like um obviously there's a transition period and learning curve or whatever but if it i don't the the mobile market moves so fast i don't know if they have 35 or 40 years to get to the point where they can actually go through and you know Uh, wait for actually compete yeah Yeah. um because by the time you get to 35 40 years from now we're not going to be using cell phones i mean we're going to have things implanted into our brains
1: flying cars they've been promising
0: us flying fucking cars forever we're going to have them damn it
1: um we need them we (laughs) deserve them
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right um so my link was this whole thing going on with the university of minnesota first of all Big Ten school. Uh, so you really can't be surprised that they're shady as fuck. I'm just saying. Um, and, and that's coming from, you know, my alma mater's mission. Mich- my uh, – I cannot talk with a damn alma mater. I can talk. I went to Michigan State, so I'm a product of a Big Ten school. Uh, but – so uh, I'm not going to go through – I mean, chances are if you're in the Linux sphere, you've heard of this thing. Where Basically, uh, University of Minnesota and specifically some – Grad students and a professor went through and submitted a whole bunch of faulty, insecure patches to Linux kernel. They got caught. Uh, Basically, what they were trying to do is penetration testing. And basically, the rule number one of penetration testing is that you don't do it anonymously. You ask permission from someone somewhere. That is
1: the most basic of – like any professor that should like if he's going to teach a course on penetration testing that's the most basic that's not just the 101 that's like the first sentence that they explain
0: yeah it's like it's the title of the freaking textbook is what it is (laughs) is, right yeah you always ask something i mean the whole company doesn't have no like the the whole like everybody every maintainer didn't have to know they were going to be tested but you go to like you want to say hey linus We'd like to test something and see how secure the process is. And, you know, he's either going to say, fuck you, or he's going to let you do it, right? Yeah. And then he – that way, when you get caught, you don't have to go through and have these problems of looking like you're doing something wrong because you you have permission from the dude. You know? Exactly. And it didn't even have to be lines. It could have been this Greg Cage guy or any of the other maintainers.
1: Anyone. Could have well, talked to him, just right. anyone. Um. So, who? I mean –
0: Like I said, the links are going to be in the show notes. But basically, if you haven't heard, the Linux, the University of Minnesota is now banned from committing to the Linux kernel. Like, probably not forever, but for until they've gone through and regained the trust of the 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 Linux community. So they're kind of screwed because, I mean, I mean, when you're studying computer science, one of the things that you're probably going to focus on, especially if you're going to be looking for those kind of certifications and stuff is stuff to do with the Linux kernel and Linux development and stuff like that. And now you can't do anything unless you do it outside of, you know, your school email domains. And chances are they'll probably find you out then too, so.
1: Yeah. And um, as far as I know, like, I'm pretty sure that schools work on, like, at least most curriculums, I believe, like, in schools – Require you to like on projects to use your school like address for stuff to be able to like track you know what you're what you're doing and how you did it and stuff like yeah. that so i don't i i don't know how big of an issue this is for the school like internally and the students but it has to be a problem at the very least a problem mm-hmm. if not a big one
0: well yeah it's so. gonna be the students that get punished for this basically it's not probably not that one professor that decided oh this is a good idea
1: Yeah. I mean, it makes zero si- – I mean, the – the regardless of the amount of work that it caused for the Linux maintainers, in the end, this is just a huge ordeal for the school because it makes them look very inept and, like, uh, just the well, – they don't said, have the ability to teach.
0: It makes their review board or whatever that reviewed the process – because the, the professor did go to a review, review board. Granted, he went to it after he'd already done the research. So, I mean, that's – first of all, um, I don't think that that's processed the way you're supposed to go through and get things approved.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, he did – the review board said it was you know, perfectly fine. And then he said – the, the professor thought it was perfectly fine. So, you know, it makes him look like a dumbass. I
1: mean – Yeah, because, I mean, I- it makes zero sense because, I mean, insecure – like – Everything I know about penetration testing, there is there or or any type of test like this, a security test, you have to get permission beforehand. Like in any case, you, there's not an, an argument. T- it's,
0: it's an attack. Yeah, <laughs> what it is. Like, you you can't try to hack into a bank right without permission and say well you when you get caught say oh no i was just trying to test your firewall i was doing you a favor like yeah. no you were trying to steal all the money
1: yeah okay <laughs> like, And the the argument they use, like so um i i did a video on it but the the their apology letter like they after the apology they they go through and like <laughs> maybe their argument is they're not justifying it, but it's very clear they're justifying what they did. And I'm like, for one, if you if you, if you apologize, and immediately start like justifying or or, like giving good reasons for why you did what you did. You just ruined the apology in the first place. Um, But in the apology, like they, it's weird because they, they use the excuse of, well, if we, told you it would it would change how they looked at it and that's that's not an argument like in any other case where you're where you're doing any type of testing like you can't make that argument or doing right. a study or anything it's still not an ethical excuse like you have to talk to somebody <laughs> well,
0: well right I mean, I, that, that's the thing i was like you know ne- you never have to tell every- i mean obviously yes if you told everybody that would ruin the experiment
1: mm-hmm.
0: um that's that's a reasonable argument, but the that's you have to get permission. Always, like I said, it's just an attack. It's 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 you you're you're just being an asshole. Uh, so yeah, it, that's definitely dumb. But I have a feeling that this is not a one off thing. I bet you there are other universities that said that this was you know okay. Uh, mm-hmm. And probably just didn't get caught, or or at least hadn't done it yet, or something. So maybe this there's some good that will come out of this, and saying you want hey, you want to maybe first of all we'll 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 follow the ethics and rule book of 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 testing, and mm-hmm. maybe the Linux kernels guys will actually learn some things too. Like um you know they'll go through and somehow revamp the process a little bit so that maybe some of this stuff doesn't get through. So easily, like so a lot of this stuff got caught, with, like in the email threads and stuff. But you know, mm-hmm. some of it didn't. So
1: yeah, maybe, I know it, a big problem of it too is like just they weren't really focusing on them because they were a school. So like, you know, that type of thing just well, yeah. Maybe you do you, you, you don't
0: expect malicious software to come from Minnesota. I mean, yeah. Minnesota is basically Canada, and Canada <laughs> Canada is supposedly really nice. So obviously, the Minnesota people are really nice. I mean, that's just the way it's supposed to be. Um that's that's like the the faultiest logic ever. Like yeah. Minnesota's close to Canada, so it's basically Canada, so Can Canada, and Canada's nice, so obviously Minnesota's nice. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> but that being said, still I mean, It you, sounded you...
0: better in my head. Okay. Uh we do have to move on to the main topic. Yeah. <laughs> it is now eh, we're we're uh an almost an hour into this and we're just getting to the main topic. I'm just saying this is <laughs> all right Tyler this was your topic so tell us what we're talking about I still have no clue
1: automatic updates in in Linux good or bad um I so want to like hear your opinion that,
0: the things that like um the Linux meant I think people were talking about doing
1: mm-hmm yeah would you immediately switch distros if whichever distro you use decided to start doing automatic updates
0: If I couldn't turn it off, yes. Um, So I guess it would depend. All right. So, first of all, what I said first stands, right? As long as you can turn it off, I think it's still kind of dumb, but I can understand it. But it makes a whole lot more sense on Linux Mint than it does, like, say, let's say Arch Linux decided they were going to do this. That is everybody off, right? Because Arch Arch Linux is not a, a. is not a user or a new user distro. It's meant for people who actually have used Linux before. Right. So yeah, I I think the whole con, I think the context is important for, for Linux men who are specifically targeting new users. Automatic updates is probably a good thing, but I do think, like I said, that it needs to be able to be turned off. So like, Ubuntu has automatic updates already. They've had it for two or three years. And mm-hmm. I don't think anybody... Um, chances are if you use Ubuntu, you probably don't even know. Because they mm-hmm. install the security updates in the background, they never tell you. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just done. Um, but everything that's bigger and stuff like that, they'll obviously they'll ask you. Yeah. I think that that's kind of shady. Like, it, they have that welcome screen or whatever where they ask you if you are okay sending information back to Canonical. I think mm-hmm. they should also, on that thing ask you hey you want do you want us to do security updates in the background yes or no mm-hmm. you can you can have the the yes checkbox check by default but it still is something that you should ask
1: even so doing, you are fine with opt-in like or or, or um op, the, the opt-out like mentality I, I think as
0: long as you know about it as long as they're up front and say you want hey we're going to do this and we're going to have it turned on by default you can turn it off um if you want to, and you know, we think that this is important. So we're going to put it right. We're just going to be right in your face about it and say, "Hey, this is what we're going to do. Uh, this is how this is how you turn it off. Uh, you know, even just give like a like right at the. I mean, all these things have welcome screens. Just put it right in a in a welcome screen and say, you know, we prefer you to do security updates to keep your computer secure. This this this, funct- this functionality is on by you know default." Uh, if you prefer not to, here's the off button. Yeah. it's literally all they have to do. Now, like I said, that makes sense on Ubuntu, and it makes sense in Linux Mint. Uh, outside of those two distros... I don't think it makes sense at all. Like, yeah. so um, even the other flavors of Ubuntu, I don't think this that, that it makes sense because those yeah. those are much more focused on people who have used Linux before, I think, or at mm. least that's the way I
1: feel. Or or at least they've used Ubuntu. Like yeah, yeah. they've used Ubuntu, they've gotten familiar with it and they're like, I want something a little I, I, bit more like me. I want to try like or I
0: want to try Mate or something like that. Chances yeah. are those people have, are at least a little bit more experienced with Linux. And, and, and in which case it should be off by default. And uh. Maybe they they can still prompt you to turn it on, uh, but I feel like those people should be more – have more control over their things than, like, a new user. Like, I just switched my dad to Ubuntu, Mm -hmm. and I turned – because he – one of the things he hated about his Windows install was that it asked him to do updates all the time. Like, that's what – everybody hates, you know, to do updates on Windows. I mean, it's the number one reason why Windows sucks.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, That's also why so many people who use Windows are running a out-of-date um, Windows version with, like, plenty of security holes in it because well, so like just don't want to w- do it.
0: Windows 10 now won't let you actually run an out-of-date thing. If you, if you run Windows 10, it keeps you up-to-date whether you want to or not. You can delay updates for, like, seven days, but after that, you have to do them, like, whether you want to or not. Uh, well, I wasn't think even
1: the, aware of that. So,
0: yeah, I, I – now, if Linux went that far, so like when <laughs> this Linux Mint thing came out, they made it sound like because they used the word insist. Mm-hmm. Um, oh.
1: Yeah, they
0: they they said they were gonna. These obviously this is paraphrasing, but they said they were gonna develop a way of doing automatic updates and we're going to insist that people do them insist and that's that insist implies force (laughs) yeah and that's that's that i think when this the the Mint thing first came out that pissed a lot of people off i did a Mm -hmm. video on it um and and i can understand that why i think that was mostly that was just a, a a language thing like they Shouldn't have used that word. That's because that's not really what they're going to do. They're yeah. they're developing a, mess, a mechanism similar to what Ubuntu does that does automatic updates, but you can easily turn it off.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I think that if Linux went through and say, "You want to, We're doing the updates whether you fucking like it or not." Uh,
1: that Everybody's not gonna like yeah, it.
0: Yeah, we'd all find whoever made that decision and lynch them in the street.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't think that. See, like that's that's the the, the freakout I think everyone had over automatic updates was strictly to do with the wording there and the thought that, okay, well, now Linux is going to force me to do an update, which I will give Linux this much, even in an environment where, like, somehow the Linux community is like, we want automatic updates and we like them forced on us. Like, even in that type of world, at least when you're doing an update on a Linux system... as as long as the distro doesn't, for some reason, decide to do this, you can still use the operating system. And when it's done, it's not a forced reboot and needs to do more afterwards. Like there's none of of that crap. So like, I mean, even if that world existed where we all wanted that, I, it would still be better than windows, but I don't think anyone's petitioning for that type of reality.
0: Yeah, I don't think I don't think so either. And I, I, like I said, I don't think Linux Mint was doing that either. I think they were more focused on the fact, well, you want to know what? There are still people using uh, versions of Linux Mint that are four years old,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: these things have se- severe security support, and we don't want to support these things forever. So we're gonna yeah. set up a mechanism where things are updated automatically, uh, but you know, you have the ability to turn it off. I, I think the only snag that they're going to face is if they don't put it up front, you know, like, because they're making this change, you know, if they do it in the background, then it's kind of shady, right? Mm -hmm. As long as they put it up front and say, you know, here, we're doing this, Uh, turn it off if you want to. I I think that's perfectly fine. Now, like I said earlier, if this was Arch... Fuck off! Leave me to do my no. updates on my own,
1: right? That's <laughs> like not I gonna want, fly.
0: Like I want to, I, I do my updates once every nine days, and that's how often I'll do them.
1: And I, I, I manage my updates. I don't want anyone else for, doing it for me. Exactly, I
0: don't.
1: But uh, in the in the Linux dist or Linux Mint and like Ubuntu world, though, not and most people who are using that distro aren't. You know, they picked it in the first place because it was stable and it wasn't going to have any problems. And a lot of people who use it, I mean, like, let's be honest, most Linux people like us install it for family members, and they just use it on and off. And not everybody has, you know, like like my mom is a unique scenario where she literally has me around all the time, so her Ubuntu install gets updates, even though it just pops up and asks her from time to time, hey, do you want to do an update? immediately closes it never does it i do it for yeah, see, not everyone that, does that
0: when i switched my dad to ubuntu i turned that notification off i said never check for updates mm-hmm. um because i know it would just piss him off right it would just, <laughs> yeah like, it would just make him mad so i went through and just you know i turned that off and you know once every six months or whatever i'll go through and do pseudo apt update you know yeah it, it won't be a big deal yeah. um because I mean, all he does is put together jigsaw puzzles and watch YouTube videos. It's not as like if mm-hmm. he's on there doing online banking or trading stocks or whatever. He, yeah. he, he doesn't need any security. Yeah. <laughs> he, 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 like, he, he has no personal information on there at all. And his email address that he uses is in a fake name. So he's perfectly fine.
1: <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. My mom does her banking on it. So I like to keep it updated yeah. just so she doesn't have an update like or an out-of-date browser. Um. And the good thing about her is we've turned it into a joke with how many times she can close an update window. Because like in Ubuntu, I, um, you can set the like um time period that you're gonna get like like it'll check for updates and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so like she gets one. I think I think it's like once a week or something like that. It, it, it's not like a crazy one, but the amount of times like I'll I'll check in on it's been a couple months since I've checked in on the laptop, and she's like, yep, haven't haven't done an update just. Nope, I, I see the updates, don't want to do them. Like, it always cracks me up with her because I'm like, well, you could just press the update and then just do something else. Nah, nah, that's nah, it's too I, much. I,
0: I think when when you're like that, you just – you're worried that you're going to break something. You, and when you're not like – I mean I got to call our parents Luddites because they, they're not. They use computers, <laughs> but they don't. If something goes wrong, they're not gonna know how to fix it, so they worried yeah. about that scenario, and that's perfectly okay because half the time, when I do updates, I break things. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so yeah. I mean, this kind of crap happens to everybody. Um, you know, I was thinking the the new way of doing like the way Ubuntu does updates in terms of like security and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that, that it, it would be – it is kind of the perfect way for like new new Linux distros or new user-focused Linux distros to do it. Um, But I don't mm-hmm. remember when they went through and did that, if they did that just behind the scenes because I think – I feel like they did. Like they didn't mm-hmm. just – like I don't feel like they went through and said, hey, you know what? I mean only like people like you and me would know that they went through and did the – said we were going to turn – automatic updates on but Mm -hmm. like your mom and my dad we're never going to figure that out like they have no clue right so um i i was thinking if when the next through goes through and does this they decide to do it in the background maybe that's a good thing I mean, he, maybe
1: he, he see said, that's the thing maybe like
0: I I mean because if for that type of user if they went through and said, after an update and then you know sometimes after an update you get the welcome screen again if they went through and said you know we're all of a sudden doing this that maybe cause some upset amongst those type of people who don't understand why uh, these these things are going to be doing being done in the background
1: especially like I feel like there. Uh, the thing about Ubuntu that sort of makes sense in in the way that they didn't make it like a public like opt in thing or just like automatic updates like labeling it like that when it's clearly just for security things and put in the background. They Ubuntu is that weird use case where there's enough people that aren't familiar with exactly how the computer even works at all, so. Maybe that is a good like a good way of not confusing a large portion of their user base
0: yeah it's, it's like doing something nefarious for the greater good. Oh God, yeah. Dumbledore um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um I don't I don't know it, it's an interesting moral quandary because you want as many people to update as possible, and the autumn it'd be so tempting for these distros to say you want to, we're just going to do the updates in the background. Screw Mm -hmm. this. We're going to take control. So it'd be so. I mean, that's basically what Windows has done, right? They've gone through and said, you want to. We got so sick of people using Internet Explorer 6 for 10 years. We're just updating everybody. You get no choice. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I feel and I hope and I'm pretty sure that Linux is never going to go that extreme. But at the same point, you. They still gonna want to keep as many people, at least in terms of the security updates, updated as much as much as possible. So there, ha- there's the whole idea of a happy middle ground there somewhere, yeah. uh, where that I still feel being upfront about it probably is the best way to go about it. Uh, say, hey, you know, we're gonna do this. Uh, you know, here's how you turned it off kind of thing. Uh, but I don't think I necessarily have a horrible problems with certain distros that are meant for new users again, uh, doing it in the background, even without telling anybody.
1: Um, as that, odd as that sounds, it does, it does yeah, sort of make sense. Like it
0: feels like the most anti-foss thing I've ever said. And it probably is, um, yeah. <laughs> but right. But you know, it just, you, you can't, uh, the most of the people who would be affected by it would be new users and those mm-hmm. people aren't ever going to do updates on their own anyways. Now, mm-hmm. again, I, as, long, as long as there's a, a way to turn it off, because whoever installed Linux for them yeah. in the first place can at least turn that stuff off, and yeah. they would know better. So, yeah. um, I don't know. It's – it's a like I said, it's an interesting moral yeah. thing. Because,
1: I mean, I, I foresee plenty of new users seeing automatic updates and assuming it means programs, everything, computers going to have to reboot after it. and That just...
0: ch- changes. Like, I mean, uh, you get past 50 or 60 years old. You hate change with a passion of a thousand burning suns. You cannot Mm -hmm. stand the fact that something changes. Um, Mm -hmm. And you never, ever, ever want something to change. Um, And Mm -hmm. it's especially true with anything technological, right? I mean, you you can understand, you know, something in the real world changes, stuff like that, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you're using a piece of technology that you don't understand in the first place. Yeah. uh, You you just use because you want to go to Yahoo.com. And you understand mm-hmm. that part of the technological thing, but you don't understand anything else. You don't want a new start menu to pop up. You don't want GNOME 40 to all of a sudden show up. Hey, my icons were over here the other day, and now my icons are down here.
1: Mm-hmm. You don't f- even want f- your like panel to like change the tint it is. like yeah, You don't want
0: new icons. You don't want anything. Any change is bad. Um, and we'll be like that someday, Tyler. We will, oh, we'll be like that someday. Sadly, we will. <laughs> like I'm kind of like that now. I don't want anything to change unless I change it. You know, yeah. Like, I, yeah. I want that. Ch- I want that change in control. So that's that's a. I mean, that's the biggest thing about it. if you're gonna do automatic updates, it has to be just the security stuff. It can't be new big features because it would that would that would know that's just not yeah. gonna work for people because like i said it's it's gonna be that it's gonna be that type of person i mean they're not they're not even all old people i mean i said old older people but
1: um i mean there's 20 there's 20 year olds i know yeah. who are like scared of messing with a mac because they might break stuff and i'm like literally designed can you even, to be can you easy even to use break a mac i mean is that even i possible? have no idea uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay
0: um let's go ahead and talk about our apps of the week. Tyler, what's your app of the week this week?
1: My app of the week. I started the podcast off talking about IRC. So it's HexChat, which is a really nice IRC client. Um, I I've been using it's great. Um, I mean, it's as simple as an IRC chat client. I feel like not just can be, but should be. It's, it's nothing special. It's not too crazy. Um, and, uh, one good thing that I will say about it is it's, it's nice to have an IRC chat. Cause I have been going back and forth with quite a few people in IRC chat. It doesn't use dunst or anything to send you notifications. So you don't get b- like barraged with notifications, um, through a chat client, which oddly enough, I'm super thankful for, even though like, I, I I'll, if I'm doing something else it'll take me a while to respond I just won't know I've needed to or, or or anything or seen anything I'm not getting like 15 notifications every five minutes and that is a very very generous estimate of how many I would be getting through IRC um so I don't know um do, do you use um IRC at all
0: one time <laughs> <laughs> um I'm I just didn't see and like maybe it was just because i was in the wrong like rooms or whatever but i just didn't Mm -hmm. see as much activity on there as like i spend most of my time with that that kind of stuff in like telegram i like I pervert the telegram groups but because it just feels Uh, more modern stuff but mm -hmm. um yeah i didn't spend much time i did a video on it and then i kind of left it behind
1: yeah speaking of telegram i've had quite a few people try and get like now are getting me off of telegram like don't use telegram. Like you shouldn't use telegram. It's centralized and proprietary. And,
0: but, Telegram's open source. I mean, I don't understand. (laughs) I got to understand. Telegram's completely open source as far as I know.
1: It's – so here's the thing. It's open source, but um, the Telegram server software is not. So like – and they also store um, everything in apparently plain text documents as far as I could tell or as far as I was told. Um, Put it that way. Um, So – Apparently, Signal is way, like, w- way better than Telegram, but... Yeah,
0: but it's a horrible app. It's, new to
1: exactly. App exactly. Oh.
0: Martin and... and I used Signal for a little while, and it, just the app on Linux is just so... I mean, it's an open-source project, and you'd think that that would mean that their open-source app on Linux would be, you know, good, but mm-hmm. it's, it's not. It's not good. It's just really bad. <laughs> like... It, it, like Especially on, like, tiling. It, it, it's not so bad if you're using, like, a desktop environment. But if you're on a tiling window manager and you try to, like, make it smaller, it's, like, not mm-hmm. responsive. So, it actually cuts stuff off. It's it's not good. Hmm. We end up switching to WhatsApp. <laughs> That's how bad that was. Um, Dang. Because he wouldn't use Telegram. So, or we had problems with Telegram. I don't even really, really remember. Um, mm-hmm. But I use Telegram all the time. Like, we talked about proprietary software before. and Like, I don't mm-hmm. – I mean, like not as if I'm going to go through me. You know, telling state secrets or giving banking information over Telegram. So yeah. I don't really I, – I don't know if I uh, – I don't know about the whole storing things in plain text thing. If that's true, that's kind of scary. But um, if that's – I mean I, I don't see how that – I mean
1: if that's really – Again, like I, that's what I told people. I'm like I use Telegram just to talk to you about the podcast. Like if, if our entire like text chain like or like – entire chat just became public the worst thing would be like oh no they just have my audio of the podcast or like like it wouldn't be that bad like it did there's nothing really private that i'm worried about in using telegram like i feel like there's and my my argument was the same thing with discord if you're not worried about stuff like you know like if you're just using it and you wouldn't care if it became public i don't really see a problem with that but that was my app of the week, HexChat well, Hex and IRC. Yeah.
0: Was, um, all right. So mine is also in, kind of an oldie, but a goodie, is Newsboat. So I've been trying to be a little bit more uh, cohesive in terms of taking news in instead of going, you know, visiting The Verge four times a day, visiting, you know, these things all the time. I just kind of want one place to check all the news mm-hmm. kind of all the time. So uh, I've kind of gotten back into the whole RSS thing. So I I installed Newsboat, I've used it before several times, and it's really good. So if you you like a terminal-based RSS feed reader, Newsboat is probably the best solution. There are GUI options for stuff like this, but if you're a nerd like me and and you prefer using things in the terminal, Newsboat is kind of awesome. Um, Now, in terms of using RSS on mobile, I haven't found a good one yet. So that's something that I'm still looking for. Uh, um, the problem with a lot of the, R- the RSS feed readers on like Android is they're either ad-based – and there's nothing wrong with ha- being ad-based. The problem mm-hmm. comes in when you're pushy with your ads. Like you yeah. put them all over the damn place and you can't dismiss them. Like I'll pay for your, your app if it's good to get rid of the ads. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of them won't even do that. So um,
1: that, yeah, I've that, actually never even tried getting RSS on my phone. I don't even know the quality of – of apps that you get there. So that's, it's interesting well, to hear yeah. that there aren't any good options. Well,
0: iPhone has one, has apps that are way better, but that's just kind of true across the board.
1: Yeah. Apple does a good, good, good job of curating their, uh, their apps and making sure that they uh, get de- developers. If you're going to make something niche, that's fine, but it has to be quality.
0: Well, then people, and developers are more willing to develop for iOS because, uh, you know, people actually make money on iOS, and on and Android, you don't make any money. <laughs> like, like, yeah. like you can make money if as long as you're like, you know, uh, EA, you know, yeah. or something. But yeah. if, you're, if you're just a, a random, really small developer, it's really a lot harder to develop on Android and make cash without using like an abundance of ads, right? Like, yeah. Because you know, people on Android just are a million times less willing to pay for things. Uh, unless they're in-app purchases for Clash of Clans, in which case I've spent way too much money. Uh, that's just, I mean, that's
1: just so true. Uh, uh,
0: and I'm, I'm talking hundreds of dollars. It's, it's. What? It, it's dumb. I gotta remember, I've been playing it now for 10 years. Oh,
1: okay. So it's over, okay. It's over okay. a, it's over a, okay.
0: it's over a course of 10 years, and I, I okay. I've had two accounts. I like, I, I, met, I maxed out one account. You know, I, I'm starting over again. So, and I and I don't do it all the time. Like I spent $20 every three months or something. It's not, yeah. it's not something horrible. It's usually when they have a sale. <laughs>
1: like
0: a, like they're having a sale. I've got to buy it. It's on sale. All right. Holy shit. That was a long effing podcast. Um, But it was a good one. It was. I told you rabbit holes, and we gave you rabbit holes.
1: It, right, so, there were good rabbit holes, too.
0: Yes. We talked about some good stuff. Now, coming up next week, we're going to be talking oh, it's going to be a good one. We're going to talk about Mint or Ubuntu. Which one is better for noobs? That's going to be the topic for next week. Oh. People
1: are going to get heated in the comments over it.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, and and there's going to be that one jerk in the comment section named Matt who says, Use Arch. It's better for everybody. Use Arch.
1: <laughs> Beginners on Arch. Everyone starts off with Arch.
0: It, dude, it's pronounced Manjaro. Okay? <laughs> All right. Anyways, that's coming up next week. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Subscribe and like. See you next week.
1: See ya.